So we've been going verse by verse through the book of John and and just seeing the love of God, right? And and that that's the theme of First John, by the way. It's the love of the Lord. And uh, in chapter three and chapter four, love is mentioned thirty times in its various forms. And so it's it's a it's just it's really you know pushed out there for us. And then earlier in, in John chapter three. There was a command that John gave us, and that command was not to be deceived, to stop being deceived. And he gave us four things for the new believers to stop being deceived because the new believers are more prone to fall into this deception. And those four things came by contrast. It was righteousness and sin and being a child of God, being a child of the devil, and love and hate and death and life. And that we're not to be deceived of these things. We are to be assured of these things. And Jesus even said in uh, John seventeen seventeen, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So uh, let's continue learning on and uh, on what this love is and, and just seeing... Uh, just learning more what the word says. Look at verse 16 with me. And by the way, um, well, let's just read the whole thing. By this, it says in verse 16, we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. And so um, John is giving us two main things here as we read this text here. The first thing is the example of his love. We'll see that in verse 16. And the second is the byproduct of his love. And that's going to be at the end of verse 16 all the way to verse 24. And so if you ever wondered what love is, look no more, right? Look to Jesus. He is love. And and it's found in the example of love. Notice in verse 16, let's go back. It says, by this we know love. You see, that word know, gnosko in the Greek, mentioned 223 times in the New Testament. It means to perceive, to understand, to fully know by experience. And if you ever wanted to fully perceive what love is, well, then look to the example of Christ because he is the ultimate 
example for you and I what love is. And there's two things that we need to be aware of concerning the example of Christ and, and his love. And number one, it involves, well, Christ, his love for us physically. Notice back in verse 16, um, it says, By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. See, Jesus gave of his life freely for you and me. And speaking about the death on the cross for you and I, that uh, um, he took on our sin, right? Our sin, the, the penalty of that, Romans chapter 6 says, it leads to death, right? Our sin, the cost of our sin is death. Our punishment should have been death. In other words, separation from God for all eternity, right? Uh, that's what death is. And and but God gave of his only begotten son that we could have eternal life right he gave himself physically for us in John chapter 15 verse 13 uh, it says greater love Jesus says has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2 he says and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, uh, it's, John says, And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So he paid the penalty that... Uh, our sins brought forth, right? He became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That was, uh, it took a lot to be do that. And God gave himself for you and I, by the way, not when we were at our most best moment of our entire life, right? When we're serving the Lord and we're, we're just, we're, we're, look at me. I mean, come on. This is, I'm at the highlight of my life. That's when God died for me. No, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, Verse 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. That's when he died for us. So clearly, uh, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it's speaking about his death physically for us, right? And being that example of love for you and me. But secondly, it involves Christ's love sacrificially and speaking of who he is inwardly right and and notice in verse 16 it says by this we know love because he laid down his life for us that word life in the Greek suke um, is it speaks of his inner being right speaking of who he is, speaking of the drive or the passion of one's soul and the heart of where your emotions come from. And, and when you think about it, he died to self, right? And, and since he was willing to be in subjection to the Father, and he put the will of the Father above his own will to be our example. And in John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him, who sent me and to finish his work. That's what he survived off of. That's what, what kept him going. In John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. 
In fact, in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he says, Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours be done. Right? Speaking of the Father. And so Jesus is clearly that perfect picture of what love is. And Jesus said in John 13, 15, again, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. See, he is our example as far as what true love actually is. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says in verse 21, he says, For to this you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Which brings us, by the way, to the second major portion of our text. Not only uh, the example of love, which Christ is, but secondly, uh, let's look at the byproduct of love, the byproduct of love in verses 16 to 24. And understand that since Jesus is the perfect love, uh, example of what love is, right? It should affect our lives. It should impact our lives in a huge way. And Jesus gave himself not only 100% physically, but also 100% inwardly, right? And, and he gave his all. The moment he gave himself to us, he didn't just give us uh, 1% and 2%. He gave all for you and me. That's huge. And because of this, we should be impacted in four areas uh, in our, of our lives. And these four areas up front, I'll just give it to you guys and then we'll go back over them. Um, but we should be changed in, number one, in who we are. In who we are, according to verse 16 to 19, and then secondly, in what we feel in verses 20 and 21. And third, in what we ask in verses 22 to 23. And fourth, in what we have. And that will be in 24. Um, so let's go back to in, uh, the first thing right here is what we do. And what we do in verse 16 to 19 and it involves our actions, right? If we truly believe that Jesus Christ is that perfect example of what love is in our lives, it should impact our lives and our actions in two ways. Uh, number one, in our desires. In our desires. Notice in verse 16 again. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That word lives, again, suke. It speaks of laying down our desires, our wants, our needs above the needs of others, right? Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Um, no doubt you guys would lay down your lives for each other, right? You guys would, you know, you love, you know, you think about your spouse, your children. You guys would take a bullet in a heartbeat for each other. And, and the question is, you know, you'd be willing to lay down your life physically, but what about laying down your life, be willing to die to self? Ah, everything changes at that moment. See, are we willing to die to our own desires, our own wants, our own needs, and really putting our own, our own wants and needs and desires above uh, the needs and others, right? Just placing others above our own, right? Preferring others above our own. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 1. It says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, 
Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceits, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, see, he's our example here, being in the form of God, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Christ truly is that perfect example for you and I. And there should be a change in our desires. The moment we became born again and we gave our lives to the Lord, our desires should have been impacted in a huge way, right? We, we were willing to die to ourselves, right? And put others first prefer others above our own and secondly this also should impact us not only in our desires but secondly also in our dollars oh now you're really not going to like me here you guys ready for this look, look at first john chapter 3 verse 17 back to first john it says in verse 17 but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and he shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see, I think God has blessed us like crazy here, right? He's blessed our fellowship. He's blessed us uh, as, a, as a congregation, right? Where we uh, go back to our homes, we have heat, we have a roof, um, I've been to places, I used to go to Mexico all the time, bringing, you know, food and bringing clothing and, you know, helping build houses uh, for them. And um, literally, I've gone over a hundred times, if I can't even count. Uh, it, it was almost every week I was going on a weekly basis. And, but I would go to orphanages. I would go to uh, literally a dump, right, where they, they dump all the trash. And there's a whole community just living there in a dump. And they literally, they grab cardboard boxes and that's their house, right? And they get into a bag of dog food and that's, their, that's, that's what they sleep with and keeps them warm at night. And I think of the rest of the world and I see us and I'm like, wow, Lord, we're blessed. You know, I look at what we have and I can't help but say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that we have a roof over our own, our own head, right? And we have clothing. We have food in our refrigerators. We're blessed. And some, I understand, there's financial issues. And, and, uh, and if we really are serious about it, it's due to the fact that we're not good stewards of what God has given us. And maybe that's the reason why we're, we brought ourselves into a financial situation. Um, but are, you know, are we willing to die to self? And, and, and that's the uh, idea here. And, and giving up 
all that we have and what God gives us, are we being good stewards to what God has given us? Turn with me to James chapter 2 because I think James explains it a lot better than I do. James chapter 2, um, when we see another believer in need, we need to step out there and help out, right? John would say he's not even sure if God's love is even dwelling in them if they're not even able to meet the needs of the believers, right? The church. And, and guys, if there's a need in the church, you know, someone's refrigerator goes out and you have the means to help them out, then help them out, right? <laughs> Whatever the need might be, if they, they're, they're coming and they have no clothing, clothe them. You know, if there's a, a bill that needs to be paid, um, it's, it's the responsibility of all of us as a believer individually, right, to give what God's given us. And, and wow, this is heavy stuff, isn't it? It's getting kind of quiet in here. <laughs> it is. It's heavy stuff. And, and, but if we really are born again, this is an area that will be supernaturally impacted by the Holy Spirit in our lives, prompting us in this area. Look at what James says. James chapter 2, verse 14. Um, he says, what does it profit, my brethren? So speaking to the believers, right? The believers in the church. If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace and be warmed and filled, right? But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You see, anyone can say that they have faith, and if, if we're not manifesting that our faith in a tangible way, you know, then where's the proof of our faith? Where is it? it, it it's, it's, there is no faith, right? And so one evidence of our faith is that we are ministering to the needs of one another, to the church and to others as well, and that we're giving to them, we're helping them, and that's what is called storing up your treasures in heaven, right? We're, we're, we're not just giving to them, we're giving on to the Lord, right? And to who you do to the least of these, you're doing it on to the Lord. And it's a minis- it's ministry, really, when you're giving. Whatever you're doing, I encourage you guys to pray about whatever you give. Before you give, whether it be large or small, seek the Lord on it so that you're giving it on to the Lord. And one reason God has blessed us uh, with so much, according to Second Corinthians chapter 9, this is the 911 panic, right, button. You guys ready for this? <sighs> You guys ready for this? You guys sure? You guys want, this is what the word says, by the way. Um, well, you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. I'm going to slow down a little bit. This is the reason we have been enriched with so much. Everything that we have, guess what? We're to give it away. I didn't hear any amens right there. Wow, guys, come on. Church, <laughs> it's mine, precious right? No. Hey, amen, church? Amen? All that we've been given is from the Lord, and it's to give it away. I know. 
I don't like that either. But with that, understand we are to be wise stewards at the same time, okay? So I'm not just saying, hey, get it all away. Anybody wants it here, take it. So the Bible says, no, we're to be wise stewards, right? We're to use discernment. We're to seek the Lord. And we need to be discerning and wise in what we do because it's not ours. It's the Lord's, right? And we can come to a place where, you know, we're no longer helping a person but we're rather we're enabling that person and that's when we need to make that decision and just stop helping them stop giving them what you're giving them cut off the electric bill or whatever funds you're giving them there comes a place where you got to just stop and you got to that's the purpose of praying by the way and seeking the lord because he'll give you the yes or the no or the whatever it is because there comes a point and at that point we're not empowering them we're enabling them to continue on in their lifestyle of sin or in the world or wherever they're caught up in and my my uh my woe and, and watch out, you know, in my own life is I don't want to get in the way of God humbling somebody, right? Sometimes God needs to break them down and remove things out of their life and they wonder, oh, woe is me. And it, that's a good thing because it helps them to look to the Lord. And then I could be a stumbling block by coming in thinking, hey, you need a place to stay. You need money. Here you go. And, and I'm trying to help them out thinking I'm doing a, a good deed for them when really I'm doing a bad deed for them right and so the thing is it's it's not necessarily for them that what you're doing you want to do it onto the lord and and that's the point right so pray about everything that you're doing and yes give what we have right to the believer i i do it in a heartbeat and that's i gotta learn to just stop and pray and just say you know let me pray about it i'll call you back or you know whatever it is and and seek the lord on it but we there's times when we got to just say you know, I'm sorry, we, we can't help you because we're not helping you. We're enabling you, and, and, and we don't want to do that. We want you to serve the Lord. We want you to fear the Lord and, and know the Lord. And thus, you know, I, I think we're hindering that work that God's doing in your life by supporting you in this way, whatever it may be. So that's a difficult situation, by the way. It's not a fun place to be in. I find myself in it often, and I don't like it. I'm like, oh, Lord, why? Why me? <laughs> He's like, why not? <laughs> but um, praise the Lord. Well, back to 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. It not only involved our actions, uh, but also, uh, secondly, it involves our attitudes. Our attitudes. And according to verses 18 to 20, if Christ is that example of love in your life, it should impact not only in what we do, but it should impact our attitudes as well. See, if Christ is that example of love for us, it should impact not only in what we do, but our attitudes. Keep that, I, I quote that on purpose. Look at verse 18. It says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Look at verse 19. It says, And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and, the, and knows all things. By the way, that word truth in the Greek there, this word speaks of motive. So in other words, what we do in life should be done with a true motive from a pure heart from a a a sincerity of heart onto the lord and and uh, understand in hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 
Uh, It says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Understand, we can't hide anything from the Lord, right? He sees how you give, right? Some people are like, take it. Yes, thank you so much, right? But inwardly, they're like, oh, I don't like helping them, right? And you're not really giving at that point, right? Because you're more grumbling is what you're doing. Um, But we need to do the right thing in truth. We need to do it with the right heart, with the right motive from purity from within our heart. In fact, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus knew this same problem, and the problem uh, was the heart. And that's the same thing that John is dealing with here in 1 John 3. But the problem lies in the heart. And it's not good enough to just do the right thing. We need to do it with a true heart, with a true motive, right? And why? Because then our hearts will be assured of before him. That's what 1 John chapter 3, verse 19 says, right? So, uh, understand according to second corinthians by the way chapter 5 verse 10 the bible says for we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that each one may receive the things done that's our works in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad in fact, now as believers, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So he not only is going to evaluate what we did, but also evaluate why we did it right? So that speaks of the motive. It speaks of the heart. It speaks of what's the reason why you did what you did. Was it onto the Lord? Was it from a, a, a right motive? And that speaks of our attitude, right? So not only our actions, but what's the reason behind the action of what we did, right? Speaks of our attitude. So is, is what we're doing with the choices and, and the, the money that we have, is it done with the right motive? Is it done onto the Lord? And if it is, then our hearts will be assured of before him, according to verse 19. So we can stand before him now with peace, you know, in our hearts, because we did it until it's like, Lord, I'm open. And this is, you know, that's, that's the kind of relationship I like, by the way, right? Uh, clear communication. Have you guys been in bad communication with another person? What happens? There's tension, isn't there? It's like, you, blah, 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 you know? And it's like, what do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you said, blah, 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 right? It's, no, I didn't say that. And then you work it out, and then there's clear communication. And now that friendship is restored. Same thing with Lord. I don't want a relationship with the Lord where it's like this, right? I want to be open and, and give him my heart, right? Everything from a pure motive, pure heart. And so we don't do these things, by the way, to, to be seen by men, right? And, and Or to be rewarded by man. There's a lot of, I, I thank the Lord that, uh, that our church doesn't pass the plate, by the way. There's a lot of people that, you know, they pull a couple hundred dollars and they're all Hey, everybody. Oh, just got a yawn. Oh, oh look, there's the plate. Mm, there we go, right? Well, that just cost you 500 bucks. There's your reward. Congratulations, right? Or they, they just, there's people that make the biggest scenes 
about giving, right? Let's call the news and look at me and look what I'm giving and congratulations, right? And if any of you guys wanted to come to us and say, hey, we want to give the church this, this much money, but we want to have the news come out in the newspaper. No, why would we even say no? Well, first of all, we don't care about the money, right? We're here for your hearts and we want to seek the Lord and glorify the Lord and train and, and equip the body of Christ, right? That you can go therefore into the, the whole world, preach the gospel and disciple them. That's your job as well. Go through the word of God with with others. Um, But it's all about being a blessing onto the Lord because of what he's already done for us. We will never measure up to what he's done for us, by the way. Right? Um, And, but we want to, we want to reward. Go Matthew chapter 6. Look at, look at verse 1. I got to slow down here. All right. Take heed that you do do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. So take heed that you do do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Guys, take heed not to do your charitable deeds before men, right? Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Are you kidding? They really did this. Is that crazy? everybody look at me i'm gonna give my money to the church right look how much i'm giving everybody right that seriously god doesn't care about your money he cares about you and your heart right and and uh even the widow she gave the might and it was that meant more because he sees the measurement of the heart not the measurement of the gift right and 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 we Wow, there's a lot of people, there's a whole, my head's going crazy right now of all the analogies. There's a lot of people that just, they want that glory and they're, they're going to get it all right, right? But when, when we're tested, our works before the Lord, good and bad, it's going to be tested by the fire, refiner's fire, right? And, and, and all the stuff that we did out of not a good motive, right? And not onto the Lord, it's going to burn up. It was all for naughts. And I don't want that. I want it to be, I want something to offer the Lord. And I want to be a blessing to the Lord. I want to glorify the Lord. I want the Lord to be pleased. And and uh, that's my heart. But, oh, let's keep, oh, yep, there we go. Did we read all of that? Let's read verse 3 again. But you, when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's the reason why we would say no, by the way, if you give us anything. Because we don't, we don't want you to make a scene. We don't want you, this is what the Bible says, that your charitable deed, verse 4, may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. That's why I thank the Lord for online giving, and I'm not just talking about money, by the way. Whatever the need might be in the church, meet it, right? We all of us are called to meet the need for each other. That's what the early church did, right? They didn't say, "Oh, go to the go to the main, uh, go to Pastor John or Pastor James and and or Peter, and and then they'll disperse it." It was, "You see it, you meet the need, right? You need some bread, oh, here's some bread. You need some of this, here you go." And and uh, so we're to come alongside one another, right? Well, let's come to the second thing here. In what we fill, in what we fill, in verses twenty to twenty-one. By the way, there's two feelings in verses 20 and 21. Uh, Let's look at the first feeling. The first feeling is the feeling of 
condemnation. Back to 1 John chapter 3. Um, according to verse 20, look, it says, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. So if we feel condemned in our hearts because we're not loving others the way we should, or we're not giving to others the way we should, uh, it, John says it's okay. Hey, it's okay, because God knows the heart, he says. And he knows all things, and he is greater than our heart. And because he knows what's in our heart, right? And, and he knows what... You know, we want to do more than what we normally do, right? We want to, uh, he understands that we fall short, and it's okay, guys, if you, you want to give more, do more, serve more, whatever it may be, God knows. He knows what you want, and sometimes, you know, physically you just can't, or there's situations you just can't do it, but he sees the heart. He knows the heart. So don't feel bad if you want to serve more, do more. Um, this just shows that God is at work in your life, right? Don't ever come to the place in your life, by the way, where you just feel that you've arrived, right? <laughs> That's a dangerous place. We never, ever take the throne, right? We never sit down on the throne and say, ah, I'm the teacher now. No, that's dangerous, right? We are always constantly growing. We're learning. We're pushing forward. And, and, and it'll never be enough, right? We want to keep going and keep pressing forward and plowing through and, and keep giving to the Lord. The second feeling is the feeling of no condemnation, according to verse 21. And notice John is speaking to the believers here, by the way. And this is not a contrast, but rather it's, a, it's, a, it's an amplification of the, this feeling of condemnation in verse 20. So it says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. So hey, if we're not weighed down and burdened to the fact that we are not, you know, doing enough, loving enough, serving enough, uh, giving enough, that's, that is okay. Why? Because our confidence is toward God. And just like Paul said in Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, he says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do you guys believe that, church? It's God. It's Christ in you, right? Colossians 1.27, it's got Christ in you, the hope of glory. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through myself because I'm strong. Right, Bereans? Acts 17.11, what does it say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, right? So, if, hey, if there is no condemnation in your heart, realize that, our confidence, it's toward God. Hey, not confidence in self that somehow, like I said earlier, that we've arrived at some point. No, none of that stuff. No, our confidence is in the Lord that what he is doing, he's working in and through us because there's no condemnation, by the way, right? Understand, therefore, our heart it does not condemn us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. John chapter 3 verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And there is no condemnation since why? Our confidence is toward the Lord. That's what it says. It's a work of the Holy Spirit, by the way, in and through your life, in order to love God and to love others. 
Amen? Isn't it? Because in and of our own flesh, we really cannot love the Lord or others to the same capacity of love, the agape love, that God loved us. That is not possible in our flesh. The world can give to others, but and they can love us, but they'll never love to the measurement, to the degree that God loved us. And his love has to be in us, Colossians 1.27, right? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So if Christ is in us, he'll produce that love in and through you to love him back and to love others because there's some that need more love than others, right? And we definitely need to rely on his love for them as well. But our flesh cannot produce this love, right, in our own hearts. So in order to give unto the Lord from a pure motive and, and giving to the Lord through, our, through our, the ministry, whatever God's called you guys to, by the way, God, God has given you guys gifts, some more than others, but he's given us all a measurement of faith. And so that faith we're using uh, and giving our gifts onto, back onto the Lord, right? We're serving the Lord through whatever capacity it is. And, but the idea is we're glorifying him and him alone through whatever area that may be, whatever avenue that may be, by serving people, by coming alongside each other, right? But it's the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us. This is a long, drawn-out thing, right? I love... Um, I'm praying right now, maybe going through Romans, because Romans explains a whole lot that 1 John hits on as well, and I think they kind of go hand in hand together. But um, let's come to the third thing here. In, In what we ask, in what we ask, this is in verse 22 to 23, and if we truly believe that Christ is that perfect example of love, it should impact us, number one, in what we do, number two, in what we feel, Number three now, in what we ask. And John, he's talking about our prayer life here, right? Look look at verse 22. It says, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 13, he says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. But note carefully, by the way, the reason why we ask anything and it's done, right, it's answered, uh, John gives us two reasons why. Notice it's number one because we keep his commandments, right? Notice in verse 22. And then secondly, it's because we do those things which are well-pleasing in his sight according to verse 22. So what does it mean to keep his commandment and be pleasing in his sight? Well, it involves two things, according to verse 23. Uh, Notice in verse 23, number one, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, right? Christ, uh, God came, God Almighty came in the flesh, dwelt among us, right? He's 100% God, he was 100% man. And secondly, and love one another as he gave us commandment. So believing in Jesus and loving others, guys, this is our responsibility. This is what we've been called to as it pertains to God answering our prayers, by the way. And realize that when you love Jesus Christ and when you love others, you're putting your life in subjection to the Father's will, right? You're walking in his will. Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, he says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Guys, do you guys know what that word is? What is it? 
Jesus. Yeah, well, yeah, Jesus, right? Amen. But it's love. You shall love. Love. It's all summed up in one word. Love. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and so love the Lord your God with all your heart, right, with everything, and love others. That's really what it comes down to. And when you love the Lord, you'll begin to naturally, supernaturally love others. And as you're loving others, your prayer life will be affected. It will be impacted uh, as well. And, and you'll no longer pray, you know, for your will to be done, but you'll be praying for the Lord's will to be done in and through your life. Um, turn with me to 1 John chapter 5, just a page over maybe. Um, look at verse 14. It says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according, see people skip this part, according to his will, he hears us. So our prayer life needs to revolve and involve the will of God. And I believe if we're not in sin, by the way, and we are we ask anything concerning our love for the Lord and our love for others, you know, because of the love of Christ in our lives, that he hears our prayers. But I think the problem is we don't always like the answer. <laughs> it's yes, no, or wait. Thank you. I was going to wait there until you guys got that far. Good job. You guys are smart. Um, but we need to stop making our prayer life about you know, our own will, you know, and what we want. Lord, I know, you know, I, I just, I really need three luxury jets because, you know, ministry is around the world and I got to park one there and there and, and it's got to be fancy leather, right? It's got to be very fast and no, no, no. That's the prayer life of Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar. Look it up, Google it, guys. It's, it's crazy if you hear their prayers. But anyways, we should end our prayers like Jesus ended his. In Luke chapter 22, 42, what did he say? Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. That's the heart of God for you and I. And it's tempting to, to put our will in there. And be like, Lord, you know, that red Ferrari, you know, twin turbo, pretty fancy. Yeah, I kind of want that, Lord. Uh, imagine if we all got our will done. We'd all be dead, by the way. <laughs> we wouldn't be like, kill them and kill them. No, we it's it's his will by the way his will will be done no matter what in heaven and on earth you just realize the fact and jump on board right that we should pray like jesus taught the disciples in matthew chapter 6 verse 10 he says your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and so we pray lord you know not what I want, Lord, but what, whatever you want, right? Whatever you desire. What's your passion, Lord? What do you want to do? However you want to do a work in my heart, Lord, I, I just want to yield to your will. Whatever it is that you want to do, Lord, here I am. That's what the Lord's looking for. He wants to see a heart that says, Lord, I'm nothing. I got nothing. I got this little, you know, this. That's all I have to offer. And God says, that's enough. Lord, you want me to go to those five people in that tribe on that other side of the world and just live amongst the five people, even though I got, you know, 50 years of Bible college and blah, 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 right? Here I am, right? He doesn't care about your, what you have to bring. He cares about you and that surrendered heart of just saying, Lord, here I am. I'll go. I'll send me, Lord. 
That's the desire, right? That's the warrior of God and that God's looking for. Um, and that truly, that's going to be pleasing to the Father, right? As we walk in his will and not care about what our thoughts are. By the way, Lord, you know, I'm praying this, but let me help you out because it seems like you're leading me over here. But let me give you some instructions, right? That's dangerous. I hear people say that in their prayers, by the way. Lord, you know, you've been doing it kind of wrong. You got Let me help you. Yikes. <laughs> we can't help God. Don't do that. Get out of the way, right? Let's end with this. Um, the last thing is the, Love should impact our lives in what we have. And what we have, what do we have? We have the Holy Spirit, according to verse 24. That, that This points to and speaks of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So church, as we love the Lord and as we love others, it's proof that we are abiding in him and him in us. And the moment we became born again, we received the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's very obvious, according to scripture, that he's now in our hearts. And we need that we need that empowerment in order to accomplish his will. We need that enabling to accomplish his will in and through our lives practically as we live this daily life, right, that he's given us. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So he'll help us to love those around us, right? And we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to do his work in and through our lives. Amen, church? Um, by the way, turn with me uh, to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I uh, just want to show you guys something here. I think I love it when the Word of God explains itself. Don't you guys love that? The best commentary, by the way, on the Bible is the Bible. Isn't that cool? You don't need to go to any, you know, bookstore. What's a good commentary? Well, have you read your Bible? Because <laughs> that's going to explain itself, you know, eventually. But look at look at John chapter fifteen. I love how you guys are turning your pages. I just love that. Keep bringing your Bibles to church. By the way, this is so cool. Um, look at verse one. It says, "I Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser." John 15, verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. And if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you." By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. 
These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed, appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Oh, amen, church? I just want to keep going, actually. Um, this is good stuff. I think that kind of just summed up our whole study right there, right? Just let, let the Lord do that work. If you guys want to stand up with me, um, you guys are such an encouragement to you. I love you guys, by the way. Um, Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much again for your goodness and your faithfulness toward us. Lord, in that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Lord, you demonstrated your love for us. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to fall back on that love in everything that we do and everything that we say. I pray, Lord, that we would continually come before your throne of grace and realize, Lord, that it's not about us, but it's about you. It's about pleasing you. It's about walking in your will. Lord, strengthen us. Lord, give us that boldness that we need in this life. Give us your grace to enable the things that you called us to in our lives, Lord. We love you and we ask, Lord, that we would have that passion, have that desire, uh, Lord, to be pleasing in your sight. We love you, Lord. We thank you that it's all about you. And um, we pray that you continue to do a great work in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.